everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Why Pod, where we highlight everyday Wyoming leaders. This episode features music therapist Hilary Camino. We talk about things like what music therapy is and who it can help, how she built her local career in it, and her hopes for its future here in Wyoming. Hope you enjoy listening even a small part as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go with Hilary Camino. My name is Hilary Camino and I'm a music therapist. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Wyoming originally. I was born in Douglas and then we moved to Torrington, lived in Colorado for a little bit, moved back to Wyoming because we can't ever stay away. And then we moved to Cheyenne and I spent most of my young life in Cheyenne. And then I went to school in Laramie studying music education for four years. So it took me four years to figure out that this really wasn't my path. And I was in practicum and that's when I just started to realize, you know, this is just not hitting home for me. I'm, I don't like being in charge like that. And I just wasn't latching onto it. And so I kind of backed off and changed my degree such so last minute and decided to get my BA in music, which is a very broad, degree that you can take in a lot of different places. And I emphasized in vocal performance throughout my degree. And so that was kind of my focus. And then I kind of had this gap year where I just did a lot of soul searching and was just really thinking about what in the world am I going to do with myself? And I remember having a conversation with my dad and I think this is like months into working at a bar and I was just like, this is, I cannot, I cannot do this. And he was so thoughtful and just said, what do you want? And it's so funny that you forget to ask yourself these very obvious questions. You know, you get on a track and you keep going down that track and it's got to be this way because I set down to do this and I'm going to do it. So I sat back and I thought, what do I want? What have I always wanted to do? And I remember giving this presentation in high school about music therapy and I've been always so intrigued by it and I really wanted to study it but there wasn't a course at Wyoming and it would have cost a lot more money and so those are big factors but I started this journey to figure out how to go get my master's degree in music therapy. I did my research and found this school that I was just so fascinated with and it just felt like a dream to me and I was just like, let's do it, let's go for the dreams. And I applied to the school in Scotland, Queen Margaret University, and I got in, which was pure joy and I was absolutely terrified because, I mean, I've done a lot of traveling with people but this was me embarking completely on my own with one bag and a whole new place that I'd never been there before. I'd never been to Scotland and it just felt right. And it was, it was the best two years that I could have imagined. I was in this new city with new people, different cultures. It's a melting pot in Edinburgh. It's beautiful architecture. And I got a bike and I learned the bus route. It was an adventure and the biggest part of it was I was studying with people who had my passion and I was studying my passion all day and 
that was an entirely different educational experience than I'd ever had before. I've never gotten up every day so excited to go to school. And a lot of the way that we learned was really hands-on. So we were in sessions day one. The first day I got there, I went and observed a session and was just immersed in music therapy. After I got my degree, I came back to the States and went through the whole process of getting certified in the States, which was another big long haul. Um, and my partner at the time, I think we were engaged at that point, um, we moved back to Cheyenne and we kind of had this, not really a race, but it was just kind of like whoever gets the job first, we're going there. And so he got a job working for Grand Teton Music Festival in Jackson. We moved here. I think it took me a year and a half of educating and advocating for music therapy, just knocking on doors, talking to facilities about it, putting on all kinds of presentations and meetings after meetings. But I stuck to it and eventually started um, contracting with different facilities in town and also started my own private practice where I would just have private sessions on my own and just grew my practice and grew it and grew it until I had a pretty solid contract working as a music therapist at CBARV, it's a BOCES 5 school, so it's a residential school where a lot of kids come throughout the state and live there and there's a lot of emotional challenges. So I was kind of thrown into the deep end as far as my practice was concerned because I still say that working with that kind of oppositional defiant kid all day was really intense and it taught me how to be a great music therapist in all facets by just having that really intensified experience right away. And so I spent a lot of time there and my practice started to develop when I presented it to the hospital. I had a meeting with them and just kind of proposed it as something that they could really benefit from in the long-term care. And a year went by and I checked back in and I got a meeting and it just grew from there. I think that was the right timing for them. And I think I had grown in my experience, in my presentation. And then they offered me a pilot program which was funded through their foundation. And it was a year long and it went well. And it was a success, which I was so happy about. And they offered me a contracted position there. And then three years later to present-ish day, back in October, they offered me a full-time benefited employee position. So I'm just thrilled that it's developed the way that it has. I'm not saying that it didn't take a lot of effort and hard work and a lot of wonderful people supporting me and believing in what I do to get me to this place now where I just love my job. And I get to be in the same place every day. That means a lot to me. I think it was really good for me initially to have experience with a lot of different populations because it can broaden my my ideals and my practice, but I really have always wanted to focus in on one client group so I can just dive in. You know, I can do research, read research, and just know the ins and outs of that population. 
That's not to say that I work with one population. I still get to have that variance because I spend a lot of my time in long-term care and I love it, love it, love it. I'll tell you a funny story about that though in a minute. But I also get to work in acute care. So I get to go, uh, we call it PCU, primary care unit. And that's more acute care where people are just there for kind of a short stay after procedure or something, or even ICU or oncology. I've gone in and played some music while people are getting treatments. And so we're really trying to grow this program throughout the hospital and provide services to everyone who needs it. Kids, when they come in, if there's anxiety about a procedure, music can really help relax those nerves. And so those are a lot of one-off sessions that I'll have. And in long-term care, I, I have ongoing sessions where I see people weekly and I have groups weekly. Do you run into a skepticism about whether it will really help? I could see particularly in a cowboy state like Wyoming, where there would be this idea that we just have to grin and bear it, we have to suck it up, rub some dirt on it, it'll be fine. I think initially when I started presenting it to people, there was a lot of pushback and sometimes even when I'm talking to someone and they say, what do you do? And I say music therapist. I've had eye rolls, you know, just like, okay, here we go. Hippy dippy stuff. And I do think there's a fair amount of that. And then they come in and are a part of a session or observe a session and their idea of it changes, their whole experience of it changes. And even just sitting here and talking to you, and we'll talk more about what music therapy is, it's really difficult for me to explain it to you. It's so much more obvious what's happening when you're in the room, but I'll do my best. Let's say you're at a coffee with friends and someone who doesn't know you very well joins in and they're not eye rolling at you, but they're curious. Mm -hmm. How do you usually explain what music therapy is, what it is that you do? I start off by saying this is the very basic understanding of what it is, is that I heal people with the use of music. There's so much more to it than that. It's more of a clinical practice. I think people don't necessarily understand that I do have a degree in music therapy and that I have, am certified. And so the title music therapist is a professional title. I often compare it to occupational therapy in its method, in our treatment planning and goals and everything. Music therapy treatment looks like this. First I'll get a referral and then I'll go in and assess them and see what their needs are and if music therapy interventions can meet those needs and what their musical interests are. That's hugely important. And then if they are a good candidate for music therapy, we'll move forward and I'll treatment plan. So I'll figure out what their goals are. And their goals could be so many different things. Music therapy is, it just treats a lot of things across the spectrum of needs. So I could be treating a three-year-old with developmental delay and having goals like behavioral and social goals to be in the classroom. And then across the spectrum to a 90-year-old with dementia and working on isolation, depression, anxiety, those sorts of goals. So there's a lot of different ways that music therapy can be applied to treatment. Then you would 
treatment plan, and then you'd have treatment, and then there's ongoing evaluation, and so it's very much documented and analyzed. Do you find within the medical community that there's still a lack of awareness, or are most people in the medical industry fairly up to speed? I get both. I think when people think of a very medical model and their mindset and their training is very clinical, then they weren't necessarily introduced to music therapy. It's a fairly new profession. It began in the 50s, but I am also surprised at how many medical professionals do know and support music therapy. And I don't have to preach the fact that music is helpful in all kinds of ways. People like, oh yeah, exercising, sleeping, getting my kids occupied. I mean, there's so many great things about music that we all understand. The thing about music therapy is that it's evidence-based. So there's more and more research being churned out to testify that it is beneficial and it works and it works this way with this population. So I think as far as where we are at in our world of medical treatment, I think we're starting to recognize that the less we medicate, the better. And we need to take interventions, all of the possible interventions we can before we get to the place of medicating. And so music therapy is one of those practices that we can use that treats the whole person. And a lot of times, and I'm thinking specifically because I'm in long-term care right now, there are people who are having a lot of challenges with anxiety and say they have dementia and they are restless and they're on the move and they just can't relax. There's so much more that we can do before we introduce medications. And so that's one of our big pillars at the Living Center. We just make sure that we do everything to treat the person and not the symptom. We've really applied music therapy and activities, our life enrichment program is really wonderful. And so we also follow what's called the Eden Alternative, which is ethical approach to long-term care. And one of the three plagues of loneliness, this is what they teach, is helplessness, boredom, and loneliness. And none of those things should be treated with medication. And we treat that with things like music therapy, the Living Center. It's been such a joy to feel like I'm really a part of this team and our visions and our models and our mission, they really complement each other. There sound like aspects of psychology to it. You obviously have to understand a biological health structure. You have to understand the capabilities of the medical system and the different treatments that they might or might not receive their socioeconomic condition, the world that they live in uh, individually. It, it sounds as though it, it's, a, it's a big puzzle that you're, you're constantly working on. Am I at all close on that? Absolutely, and I think that's what's so fascinating about the field is I am never, ever bored, and I'm constantly learning about people and that I can never assume that I know or ha I know how to fix something about someone until I really know them, and I, I learn about them and I often learn about their families if they're nonverbal. Of all the different aspects of the job, if there's one that you find to be most interesting, most challenging for you personally, it's something that you find a great reward in doing, 
Is there any one aspect that jumps out at you? The most challenging thing for me is going into a space where someone's at end of life and it's a very delicate and personal space and I know that I need to show up for them, especially when I don't know them very well. I need to read them as well as I can right away and get a sense of what they need in that moment. And luckily with music therapy, there's less talking. So less talking is better. And so I just kind of keep my mouth shut unless it's singing and providing them with a space that helps them start this grieving process and say goodbye to someone that I can't even begin to understand what they what they mean to each other. You know, just really respect that relationship there and also not get emotional, but also be extremely empathetic. That's a fine line and it, it can be a challenge, but it's the most rewarding challenge. And I feel so grateful to be able to be in the room with these people, that they've given me this opportunity to share with them. And it's truly amazing to see, because I think oftentimes when we're sitting there um, watching someone pass, your emotions can be stuck. It's hard to be in touch with what's going on. And it's really amazing to see when music is introduced in the room, how something just opens up and because it's so nonverbal people feel how they feel as it comes up and they're able to share that moment so many times we don't what do you say what do you say to your parent who's passing away before your eyes maybe you have no words and maybe you don't need them maybe you need to share in this musical moment together and just feel that together. It makes me think how critical a role you play in probably one of the most important moments in people's lives. And that's also a very solemn, serious aspect of your job. I would imagine though, for anyone who's listening to this, if they were to think if that's what the job is, I couldn't do that every day. <laughs> so you don't do that every day. I know from talking to you, there are so many different patients in different situations and different people that you're helping, they, everyone is a little different. And that idea is, I think, part of what you find appealing about it, isn't it? Yes, yes. And being able to work with so many different groups of people and get to know so many, we call them residents because they live with us, they're, they're not our patients, they're our residents, has been such a joyful Time. I mean, I walk around the living centers because it is their home, so it's our home. It's my workplace, but when I'm there, I do feel at home. And because I see these people every day and we've developed relationships and, you know, you're like literally walking down the hall high-fiving your buddies. And so it's so, it's so rewarding. And um, to give you more of a perspective on what I do, I can kind of walk you through a day-to-day what a day in the life looks like. Because you're right, I'm not playing at bedside all day. That would be, that would be a lot. Okay, so a day in the life. I offer one-on-one -on -one sessions. 
So that's specifically for people who were referred to me because they're extremely isolated. Maybe they don't leave their rooms very often. Maybe they have late stage dementia, so they're unable to connect and communicate with people around them. And so that one-on-one -on -one interaction is really important. Or they're new to our community and I can help kind of ease that process for them, ease some of their anxiety and worries. Or if someone's been depressed and obviously if they're end of life, those are my kind of one-on-one -on -one scenarios. And then if I go to PCU for acute care, I, do all kinds of different interventions with people and so each person has their treatment tailored to them. There was a woman a couple years ago who did not leave her room. So she was extremely isolated, depressive, and had some pretty intense anxiety at times. I started seeing her and came to find out that she loves to sing. So every week we started singing more and more. We started writing some songs together and she opened up more and more and shared more about her life with me. And you know, part of treatment is that therapeutic relationship. If that's not there, you're not getting anywhere. And so that development is really important. And there was this moment during one session where she had talked a lot about her life and how she always wanted to go to California and make it in California. and. She was kind of beaming at me and she said, well, maybe this is my California. And I was just, it's just those kind of moments. And you see the impact that it has on their lives because if you think, you know, once we retire, once we stop having a focus or the abilities to continue to do the work that we wanna do, which makes us very happy, come to believe, we lose a sense of purpose and that can be quite depressing and so we really try to provide purposeful experiences for people and that gave her purpose that gave her something to really look forward to in her week she would say tuesdays at two o'clock she knew that time and that day and there was nothing else that was going to get in the way of our time together those are the kinds of things that i worked on with her so we did a lot of singing together she also had copd so singing is very beneficial for breathing and strengthening lung capacity everything that i do has a goal attached to it and i have a lot of light and fluffy stories surrounding these which is the the icing or maybe it's the cake i don't you know but there's always a goal area that we're working on it makes me think of how many people have aging relatives, aging family members, and they might be thinking, well, maybe music therapy would be good for my loved one, for my friend, for my extended whomever. If they think that's something that they want to explore, obviously they can do internet searches for music therapy. What else would you recommend for someone who might think, this might be a good thing for someone I know? First, you can go to CBMT, it's .org, but it's a certified board of music therapists and you can look in there to see if there is a music therapist near you. I know for a fact that there are very few in Wyoming. I think there are three practicing music therapists right now. So if you don't have a music therapist nearby, 
what you can do is provide meaningful musical listening experiences with your loved one. I don't go into a room and play whatever music I want to play or what I'm good at. I tailor everything to that person and that's very much about what music they prefer and love because our brain reacts much differently to music that we know and love. You can create a playlist to that and if you play a musical instrument by all means get up in there and play with that person and have that interaction together especially when people become nonverbal, because uh, music is one of the ways to continue con to connect with people and hearing is one of the last things to go and so that's a way that you can really be with someone maybe they have dementia or other mental challenges and you can be with them in music if you can't be with them in conversation. Such an amazing concept. Right, and it's, it's ancient. Anything else you wanna tell us that we haven't talked about? I could probably talk forever, but I do wanna tell you a little bit more about some of the groups that we provide, just because they're so fun. These are groups within the Living Center, long-term care. We have the community choir where everyone meets and we talk about what songs they want to pick, they choose the music, and then we perform every other month. And we have therapeutic drumming, and we work on, that's kind of trauma-informed care there because uh, a lot of trauma that we hold is in our bodies and it's very physical. We had a ukulele club, which is so fun. And it just really works on those tactile skills when you lose functionality in your fingers. So we have a songwriting group. That's kind of has some counseling tied into it, but also just a lot of memory recall. Music is really great for accessing memories. And so we'll talk about memories and then we'll write a song about it. And then we also have a music for memory group, which is targeted toward our late stage dementia folk. We stay busy with all of our different groups and one-on-ones. In addition to people who think this might be something that would be a care option worth exploring, either from the patient side or the provider side, I also hope that there might be someone who listens to this and thinks, I have a family member who's not sure what they might want to do as a career and that they might think this could be a great fit. Absolutely. I've had so many people reach out and want to know more about why I chose it and how I did it and it's very much a viable option out there. And I think that we are so easily kind of pushed into these very traditional paths when there are some interesting and other creative ways of being a musician and tying that into what you're gifts are and what, what kind of profession you're interested in. You've done an amazing job of advocating to basically create a position that's now benefiting people. What would you hope as you play the tape forward in Wyoming comes to be? I want to expand music therapy services throughout the state. I think we have so many community communities who are accepting of it and I know we have many communities who will benefit from it. And it's just about broadening those services and educating and advocating. So this conversation is really important and I hope some people hear it and are interested in how we can get more music therapists involved in the state. I think a huge piece of this is funding and that will always be a challenge, but there are many states, I think there's 21 states who offer Medicaid support in some way or another for music therapy services. So things are really growing in this country and I, I want Wyoming to be one of those states 
that really recognizes this as a healthcare profession and really values the services that it can provide in many of our counties. I've been consulting with various other communities and just really looking forward to when we can have more music therapists in this state and I'm happy to act as an advocate throughout the state for that because it's so important and I just really want to see that happen. I haven't made this request in a recording before, but when you get a chance, please tell your husband thank you for getting his job faster than you got yours. <laughs> I know, I will, I will. Thank you for doing this for us. Yes, it's been my absolute pleasure. And I'm excited for what's next. I, mean, I feel like I've done a fairly good job in, in this town and I'm ready to help people in other parts of the state.